is to have uh, all of you. Would you uh, extend your hands and uh, receive uh, a, a prayer of Christmas blessing upon you, your family, our community, your home? It's my wife, Corey, and I've asked her to pray uh, for this Christmas season. So, Corey, thank you for praying. My pleasure. Lord God, you are so in this place, and we want you to come closer. We want to feel you. You have come down to earth to minister to us, to reveal yourself to us. You are the best giver of all things. And when you decided to give us a gift, you looked around and you said, the best thing I could give them is myself. Thank you, God. You're the source of everything that is good, everything that is beautiful. And so, Lord, we pray a blessing over the people today, the people that you love, the people that you fought for, the people that you died for, and the people that you live for. I want you to give each one of them a very specific gift. I want you to open up the heavens, go through your storehouses, your treasures, and give each one of them a very specific gift, something that's hidden in their desires, just for them, that is a personal gift from you, so that when they receive it, God, they know this is undeniably you. God, you have an unrelentless love for us, a pursue for your people. And so often there's things that intercept that love, and I want you to remove whatever is blocking us from receiving your unconditional love for us. I want you to show off who you are. I want you to bless us, Lord, with a greater understanding of what you did for us at the cross, what it meant for you to come down to earth to us, to be with us, and what it means for us to experience your presence every single day for the rest of our lives. Open up our eyes, open up our ears, give us a clear understanding to be able to hear from you, to see you in every single moment of the day. God, show off how much you love us so that we can love you back with the very love that you have given us. You are the best gift giver and you gave us yourself. Show off who you are, Jesus. I thank you for these people. I thank you for Trevor City. And I pray that you would give us a greater understanding of who you are and your love for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. 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 Thank you, Corey. I love uh, Christmas Eve service, don't you? Pretty awesome to have uh, folks gathered from all walks of life. Uh, the body of Christ coming together on a very special uh, service. Um, uh, and of course, many of us are gathered here with family members, uh, like uh, my wife and three kids. Uh, I have a daughter in Boston now, first Christmas ever without her. Uh, but a joy to have my parents here, a joy to have my sister here from Pennsylvania, we greet her. Uh, members of uh, small groups, uh, uh, both uh, past and former, saw Jerry and Felicia earlier, saw Rick and Terry down over here, Chuck and Denise, um, uh, so many folks uh, from my small group community. Uh, and, uh, and also uh, friends who are here for the very first time, uh, uh, both members of the community as well as out-of-town guests. We welcome all of you uh, as well, uh, especially uh, want to welcome, uh, he better be here. Antonio, are you here? Uh-oh, <laughs> he's in trouble. We welcome all of you. Deuteronomy, or, uh, Daniel chapter 7. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 uh, is where we're going to be at uh, today. Uh, the uh, greatest play uh, in the NFL this year happened a couple weeks ago. It was the Patriots uh, visiting Miami. Uh, for those of you who are Tom Brady fans, this is not a good ending. 
For those of you who uh, don't like Tom Brady, this is a perfect ending. The Patriots were up five with 16 seconds left when Miami ran a crazy double lateral pass for 69 yards and scored a touchdown as time ran out. Every single Miami fan in attendance that day will never forget being part of that historical moment, especially the Yale family. Matt and Deborah got tickets for them too, as well as their two kids, nine-year-old, as well as a seven-year-old, Leela and Grant. The kids were excited. The mom said, what a perfect day for the game. But as the game neared the end and Miami was losing, the dad was convinced that their team was going to lose, and he began to grow anxious about the upcoming traffic jam in the parking lot. Anybody had a dad like that? <laughs> so he told his kids, we got to get out of here. Grant, the seven-year-old son, said, no, we're staying to the end. Finally, the dad convinced his family to get in the car. They got on the freeway. They turned on the game just in time to hear the play of the century. Ryan Tannehill threw to Kenny Stiles, who lateral to Devon Parker, who lateral to... Kenyon Drake, who scored a 69-yard touchdown, Miami wins. The radio announcer was going wild and said, this is the game, Dolphins fans. You will always remember where you were when the play happened. <laughs> when Leela, the nine-year-old, was interviewed by reporters, she said, we were in the car on the highway. Wall Street Journal article titled this family this way. <laughs> the family who missed the miracle. Whatever happens this Christmas, don't be the family who misses the miracle of why Christ came. Don't walk out too early. And I'm not talking a service. Don't miss the miracle of what Christ did. Yesterday as a church, we connected the dots, showing uh, how the birth of Christ was a great clash with world powers. We went through the four Gospels. There's four uh, narratives in the Bible that kind of record the same events, uh, but from different perspectives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew showed it as a great clash with Herod's authority. Mark showed it as a great clash with demonic hostility. Uh, Luke showed it as a great clash with Caesar's divinity. And John showed it as a great clash with human hostility or human resistance. It is the makings of an incredible narrative, uh, not only in the Bible, but also in history. Don't we all love a good story? And when Christ enters the world, he enters a story. It's a story of light versus darkness, good versus evil, and it is a clash between the kingdoms. I think of the two great storylines that have been put on film in our day, Lord of the Rings and Narnia. Lord of the Rings is a great clash between the evil powers of Mordor and the members of the Fellowship of the Rings like Frodo and Bilbo and the Hobbits who are unlikely guardians of the ring. And just when you think the story is going to end bad, there is a sudden reversal and a double lateral and the good guys win. Chronicles of Narnia is a great clash between the dark rulers who followed the white witch and faithful Narnians who followed the great lion Aslan. And in the end, just when you think that evil will prevail and the lion is dead, there is a double reversal and all of a sudden, 
the light conquers the darkness, the good prevails, and a son of man is enthroned as the king. Those are captivating stories, aren't they? Because they showcase the eternal struggle that the Bible portrays between light and darkness. One of the great shortcomings uh, we make uh, as we look to the scriptures of Jesus' birth is that we think that Jesus Christ came to exclusively deal with the problem of personal sin, and he did. He came to take away the sins of the world, amen? He came, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is true, amen, he died for the sins of the world. He died for you personally and me personally so that whosoever should believe on him shall have eternal life. But there's so much more to the story. There's a bigger picture. There's a cosmic story. There is a struggle between light and darkness, between good and evil, between the powers of Satan and between the kingdom of God. The, the life of Jesus, born in a manger, born of a virgin, is a story of God sending a savior to deal with the personal sin problem, but also to deal with the cosmic evil problem. The testimony of the Gospels is that a king is born. A king is born. The wise men who come to Herod are looking for this baby who is born king of the Jews. He's born king. And it would be this king who would clash with world powers. He would triumph over darkness. He would establish his rightful rule over the cosmos. And just when evil looked like it would prevail at the cross, when Jesus Christ hung there and he bowed his head and he breathed his last, at the very moment that you thought the game was over, tune in. Because there is a sudden reversal of events and the king of the universe reigns in power. It is a story of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ overcoming the darkness. Daniel chapter 7 is not a typical Christmas passage. It's a passage written over 500 years before Christ would come, but it is this passage, along with a few select others, that significantly shaped the, the mindset of what the Jewish people were expecting of Messiah. Uh, prophetic passages that spoke of a Messiah who would come, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, all of these uh, prophetic things that shape their worldview. This passage, Daniel 7, shapes the mindset of the type of king and ruler that the Jewish people were expecting. In Daniel 7, it is a great heavenly courtroom scene. The curtains are pulled back for Daniel as he is dreaming in a vision from God. And the curtains are pulled back so he sees this courtroom scene as the God of the universe calls court into session and he sits upon the throne, the ancient of days. The arrogant world powers are called to account and they are stripped of their authority. The son of man arrives. He takes his seat on the throne next to the ancient of days and he is given kingship, 
power, dominion. And then when the keys are taken away from the evil, arrogant rulers of this dark world, the keys of the kingdom are given to the saints of God who have suffered injustice long enough and they are not only rescued from their sin, they are also enthroned with the Son of Man and given keys to the kingdom where they reign and they rule with him. Somebody should say amen. That's, this is compelling. This is, this is the narrative, the cosmic battle that is being waged and for which Christ was born. Thank you, Myron. The birth of Christ is the arrival of the great lion Aslan who triumphs over the white witch. It is the arrival of King Aragorn who triumphs over Mordor. But more than that, it is the arrival of King Jesus who does a double lateral, come from behind victory over darkness, and he triumphs over it all by proving it through the resurrection from the dead. That's a miracle your family doesn't want to miss. So court is in session. Court's in session. Here we go. Daniel has a dream. It's a, it's a heavenly vision dream. Verse 9, he says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. It's picturing the Father. The Ancient of Days took his seat, the judge of the universe. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne its like fiery flames, its wheels burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. There's your angelic host. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. The reason court is in session is what happened just before this. Daniel had been given a dream of four evil rulers, monsters, really, four evil monsters that had ruled the world with arrogance and hostility against God and against God's people. They were oppressive. They were cruel. These four monsters were representative of four evil empires that would rise and they would fall. Here in the courtroom, the Ancient of Days, the Father takes his seat upon the throne as the judge of heaven and the judge of earth, and he is about to prosecute the evil rulers who had oppressed God's people. The angels, tens of thousands of them, have gathered around as witnesses of the jury, witnesses of the courtroom to observe this heavenly scene. And when the books are opened, the eternal judge calls the dark rulers of the world to account. This is the mindset that the Jewish people had that when the Messiah would come, he would come as the inauguration of a king who would triumph over the rulers of darkness, who would deliver God's people from their oppression when Christ came, Herod rejected him as king. When Christ came, Caesar rejected him as Lord. When Christ came, the demons clashed with him as the Son of God. When Christ came, humanity refused to acknowledge that the word of God became flesh. It looked like this clash would result in evil winning the game. But Daniel 7 promised a day would come when God would reverse the course of history and perform a miracle and his king, 
would be set upon Mount Zion where he would rule forever and ever. Daniel's dream continues with a king being crowned. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions and behold, he says, with the clouds of heaven there came one like, what's that one? like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days. This is, this is a son of man who is being presented before the ancient of days, being presented before him, and to him, the son of man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Who do you think that's talking about? This is the worldview that shapes the Jewish mindset. That, that, that Daniel has the curtains pulled back and this figure emerges. He's called the Son of Man. Significant. That the Son of Man becomes the predominant description of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Not just a a son who's born of man. No, no, no. It, it, the son of man who is a fulfillment of this passage of, Jude, of, of uh, Daniel 7, who has all rule and power and authority. This is a son of man who is presented before the ancient of days as acceptable. It's a son of man who is king. He has dominion. It's a son of man who's worshipped. All peoples of all nations and all languages should worship him. And it's a king, the son of man who is enthroned. And he's given a kingdom which shall last a thousand years, ten years, five years. It's a kingdom that shall reign forever and ever and have no end. It is not an accident that the Gospels see the, the coming of Messiah, born of a virgin, as the fulfillment of this prophetic passage. It is Jesus Christ who is seated upon the throne next to the ancient of days, given authority, and he is given dominion. This baby who is born is born king. He has all power, authority, and his kingdom is forever. And when he sits upon the throne, two things happen. One, judgment on the enemies happens. And two, enthronement of the godly. Look at what he says. Daniel, this vision continues. Judgment upon the enemies in verse 21. As I look, this horn, he's talking there about one of the evil rulers, made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Question, is there persecution in the world against God's people today? There is. But it will not last forever. This horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. This is why the rulers of the world clashed with Jesus at his birth, because Jesus is the Son of Man who has all power, rule, and authority, and he is a threat. He is a threat to anyone who wants to hold on to their power and who refuses to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. But not only do we have the judgment on the enemies, we have the enthronement of the godly. 
After the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man deal with the evil rulers of this dark world, they deal with Mordor, they deal with the wicked witch, right? All of a sudden we have all the, the, the saints who have been persecuted, the saints who have been oppressed, the saints who have experienced suffering and evil, they are then enthroned. Verse 27, Daniel writes this, And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the, what? Of the saints of the Most High. Their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey them. Isn't that powerful? This is what shapes the Jewish mindset with the coming of Messiah, is that Messiah would come, and not only would he rescue people from their sins, he would also lift them up out of their oppression. He would conquer evil once and for all. He would then give the saints the keys to the kingdom. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus Christ was crucified, died, buried, raised again, just before he is enthroned at the right hand of the Father, what does he say? He says, all authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. What is he doing? He's fulfilling Daniel chapter 7. The coming of the Son of Man who enthrones the godly and he hands the keys of the kingdom. It is a double reversal of destinies. It looked like the evil rulers would triumph and the people of God would lose. But wait, but wait, Mr. Yale, don't go home. Don't miss the miracle just when he thought it was over, Eve, that evil would win. God sends his son into the world, born of a virgin who changes the courses of history. Daniel looks ahead 500 years, and he has a dream. A king who would be born, who has all power, rule, authority, and kingship. In the New Testament, when the, boy, when the baby is ready to be born, Gabriel has an announcement. His announcement is what he gives to Mary. It is almost as if he is quoting Daniel 7 because this is the mindset that has shaped the Jewish expectation of the Messiah. Gabriel, the angel, announces to Mary, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. Thank you, my brother, sister. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That's Daniel 7. The curtains are pulled back and we get a glimpse. The Son of Man has come and he has conquered. He has dethroned the evil powers and he has enthroned his saints. And all of this calls for reverence and awe. Reverence and awe. Daniel, he sees these visions. And look what he says two times in his writings of this great vision. All of this is laid out before him. And he is speechless with awe and anxiety. It says this, as for me, Daniel, this is Daniel 7. He sees the visions. He sees what's happening. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the, the visions of my head alarmed me. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. 
and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. This is Daniel looking beyond the curtains to a day when the tide of history would be turned. After the Yale family had missed the whole end of the game, Mr. Yale did tell reporters this. Well, traffic was easy, and we got home in record time. (laughs) To which I would say, yeah, dude, but you missed the best part. My friends, don't miss the best part of Christmas, the miracle. And here it is. The Ancient of Days sends his son into the world. This son is born king. He is the sole heir, the rightful heir to the throne of David and to the throne of the universe. He has all power and all authority. He ran a double lateral after he was crucified. At the moment the rulers of the world thought they won and that Jesus was dead, he rose up bodily, he reversed death itself, and he is enthroned at the right hand of the Father until every enemy is defeated and he raises up his children on the last day, giving them the keys to the kingdom where you too will also have rule and authority with Christ who is Lord and Savior. That is the miracle of Jesus' birth and it calls for reverence and it calls for awe. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the miracle of Christmas. Thank you for Christ, your kingdom, which has no end, your dominion, your power. Thank you, Lord, that the evil powers of this dark world, both man and demonic, will not win the day. Thank you, Father, that all of those who oppose you and your kingdom will one day be brought before this heavenly courtroom scene. Lord, until that day, we pray that there would be an expanse of your kingdom, that people, even right now, who are hostile against you, Lord, would come to embrace this Jesus who was born for them to save them from their sins. Thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate that, Lord, with great joy, knowing, Lord, that the end of this great cosmic battle is written, that Christ will reign forever and ever and ever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Thank you, Lord, for this Christmas season and for the miracle of Christ's birth. We give you praise.